Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. We do appreciate hearing from you. You're invited to connect, comment, post, share through Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, YouTube, and Twitter. Got all that out fast, didn't I? You can find our connections at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today our show is called Sustainability for Health and Profit. We have some surprising information to share with you for healthy living while increasing profits which is obviously an incredible combination. Please welcome my first guest, Bill Abali, Program Manager, Earthcraft Light Commercial with Southface. Southface promotes sustainable homes, workplaces, and communities through education, research, advocacy, and technical assistance. Bill, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you, and Bill, to get us started, the sustainable certification programs can be very important for commercial buildings to attract tenants and, and obviously save costs. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the various programs? Well, there are a lot out there. Um, they've been growing ever since LEED started back in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. LEED is one of the largest and most globally recognized uh, programs. Green Globes is another one that's starting to come up. You hear more about that as a dual uh, cert certification program that people can use. Earthcraft is the one that uh, we promote and we manage and everything. Mm -hmm. So in all of those, they're, um, they basically are a menu of uh, ideas, concepts, what do you want to call them, and then they put them into categories like site, energy, water, uh, and some other categories, and then you pick from uh, points within that, those categories, and the points that you get is the certification level that you get at the end. So, you know, trying to achieve something that you can show up to everyone, look what I've done. Right. And LEED is typically the gold standard, is it? It's the most recognized. most recognized. It has been taking, you know, some um, criticism from some certain people, but you know, there's there's reasons for all of that. But all in all, it's getting people to build better buildings and is very valuable in my mind. Right. Well, some of the guests I've had on the show that are industry participants, so landlords and and tenants and investors have said that. The, some of the companies and some of their clients, they like the efficiency and the cost savings of going green, but they haven't wanted to participate in the extra cost of the certifications. What do you see in your practice? Well, um, yes, there are extra costs. And uh, to put that on top of the budgets that's already there, if it's being brought in later, then it seems much more apparent. But if it's start early enough, then you get a, the maximum cost savings. If the things are introduced before you start doing the first pricings, then you're gonna really get some of the real benefit out of it. If it gets started later, obviously you're gonna pay more because it's now being added in where it wasn't before. Um, but certification does two things. One is it gives you an opportunity to market what you've done, the good work you've done. It gives you uh, a some level to base yourself on what other buildings are doing around you, so you're able to market that to clients and tenants. Um, it also uh, gives a level of verification um, that you're actually doing the work. Uh, if you weren't getting certified and you weren't, uh, you know, in, in some systems you put in a paperwork and it gets checked and everything's others like ours, the Earthcraft program, you, we actually go out and verify that it's being done. But in all those instances, you're certifying that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing to get these savings. 
And uh, you know, some of the critics have said that you know they're not energy isn't getting where it should be. You know, it's not performing to that level. Um, and you know, a lot of it has to do with occupancy. And you know, we'll probably talk. We can talk about that a little bit more. But you know, occupancy has a lot to do with how they perform. But certification is going to get you a lot uh, through that, even though it might cost a little bit of money. And you've been doing this for a while, obviously. So. The, the, the buildings, the tenants that were interested and willing to pay for these certifications, uh, did that wane a little bit in the, in the uh, recession? And has that come back a little more or is it uh, kind of stable? I mean, what, what, are the, what are they telling? I would say it's done better. Um, in most of the systems uh, during the recession, people were trying to scale back. They were trying to mm -hmm. figure out how they could make that or save that extra dollar uh, on their construction. So a lot of buildings that were being renovated, they were trying to put some of these strategies forward so that they could realize those savings not in just the construction, but also the longevity of the, the property. Uh, so I would say uh, uh, this sustainable development has been doing well through the recession. And um, as building, new buildings are coming online for, as we come out, as we're slowly coming out, um, I think a lot of the chatter of if it's worth it or not is going to be um, it's not going to matter. It's it's something that people will do because there is value to it. Yeah, it, it seems very valuable. We're, um, you know, we look at the the payback time frame and the attraction of the tenants and uh, and just the the cost savings alone. It seems like the building of the future is not going to be uh, very competitive uh, if it doesn't have some of these certifications. And and tell us a little bit more about the Earthcraft Light Commercial Program. How does that compare to the other programs? Well, Earthcraft for uh, it's a, a program that we developed with the uh, Atlanta Greater Atlanta Home Builders Association, and it's basically taking a lot of the concepts. Like I said, the, the certifications are all quite similar, but what we've done is we've regionalized it, so it's in the southeast, so it includes about uh, uh, 12 states or so, and um, and then that certification is specific to that region. Our region is hot and humid, so it's you know, the strategies are to try to combat that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're less expensive than some of the other programs. Uh, since it is a little more regional, we can focus on that. We do our own verification. So you're not sending paperwork to a unknown box and somewhere and someone's saying, okay, it looks good. We're actually going out to the site. We're checking to make sure that the, um, the air conditioner that you said was gonna be put in there is being put in there. Uh, it is for light commercial, so that's defined as 25,000 square feet or less. 89% uh, of the building's permits that are being pulled today are fall within that 25,000 uh, 25, square feet or less. Uh, the other 11% is the big buildings, the convention centers, the, and that takes up a lot of square footage and is more, but um, uh, there are a lot more buildings being built at this size. And then the final thing is we actually do testing. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go out and, and lower door. It's a, a program where you, you pressurize the building and you actually see where the leaks are and see where the problems are in the envelope, which is very important to, to uh, seal up. That's interesting. So is Earthcraft Light commercial certification uh, less expensive than, than LEED or some of the others? We actually had a comparison of a LEED build. We did a LEED building and a Earthcraft in the same building, and uh, we were half to two-thirds less than what the lead certification is. There are some built-in costs for, uh, we don't require commissioning, which lead does in, in its, um, 
you know, in its requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe we're kind of giving a little bit of the commissioning. Uh, the smaller buildings are a little less complicated. LEED does focus on bigger buildings, um, mm -hmm. and some of that cost is absorbed into those buildings. Uh, so smaller buildings, less complicated, we're able to keep an eye on the systems and they're not so complicated that we can't uh, make sure they're working together. Okay. If you will, tell us a little bit more about South Face and what are some of the resources and tools for our listeners uh, that they might enjoy at South Face? Well, we do have a, a facility that was built back in 96 uh, when the Olympics were coming here. It was built near the uh, Civic Center. It has, um, it's kind of a, it w they were mostly into residential at that point. So a lot of the strategies and concepts that were built into the house were uh, put into this house. So the people, we could tour people through and show them those strategies. Most of those strategies after, since 96, have been become mainstream. So they're pretty um, common with everything. On the, we've recently, in 2006, uh, built a uh, eco office. So now it's an office-like building, and we put a lot of strategies that a small commercial building might put into there. So we tour people around and show what uh, is available there. As well as uh, we have a lot of training, we have another facility that, um, that does training uh, solely, and, uh, and we have lots of conferences. We have Green Prince, which is coming up uh, soon, that, has, that focuses on um, some of these strategies, some of these um, new technologies that are coming out as well as uh, trends and, and things like that. So. Okay. Well, we're going to have to end this segment here in a minute. Can you give us a quick tip for our listeners before you go? Well, I, I will say that, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, things that come out, you don't, you don't, you get what you pay for. You know, mm -hmm. when you do a certification program, you're getting something that ver you get to verify what you're, you're doing. Um, the other thing would be um, you, you don't know how it performs unless you kind of give some tests. Right. So. Okay. Well, Bill, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more from Bill and South Face, visit southface.org. After a quick break, more on sustainability for health and profit. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. You can hear these shows while they're still available on iTunes and the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, our show is called Sustainability for Health and Profit. Please welcome my next guest, Jimmy Mitchell with Skanska a multinational construction and development company based and publicly traded in Sweden. They have 26,000 employees around the world. Jimmy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, I'd, and, and you guys are, are busy all over the world, and I know you're looking at some of the, the latest products and, and design and sustainability. So what are some of the new sustainable products and technology that are used in new construction today, and what might we see down the road? Well, a really fun one is called View Glass, where uh, you can determine the shading of the glass based on the light. 
So during the day, if, if you want to reduce some of that light coming in, it can be shaded and then at night it can be clear, which can help for some of the, the thermal aspects of the building. But then it can also be really fun. Um, you could have an application where you might want to have it be dark and then over time light and have that kind of effect and maybe a, a show type atmosphere. So glass is really interesting right and we thought we the only ones with the show atmosphere here right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is that a fairly expensive uh, glass or yeah it's certainly expensive it definitely is a cost premium but it's yeah. it's interesting and and fun stuff so. and the cost savings is there right for, when you're, for the uh, utilities uh, in that particular situation there uh, you know the payback might not be as great but there definitely yeah. are thermal uh, cost savings with your the heat loads going on your equipment. Yeah. Okay. Are there other, other technology or products that uh, we might see down the road or that you guys are using today? One that's really fun is, is uh, mycofoam, which is a, a mushroom-based insulation. And I think that's really interesting in general for products to be in the supply chain of uh, something that is a, a, is a crop. And um, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a silly mushroom-based thing, but it has really good qualities for insulation and fire, fire rating. So we all might have mushrooms in our ceilings here soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about net zero. When might it be more practical economically to, to build buildings that are totally self-sufficient on, on energy and water? Is that, is that real, and, and, and when is it economically viable? Yeah, so we're in the progress stage of that. Um, some of our clients, like a nonprofit uh, college campus, you might be able to justify a a campaign for an upfront cost to go net zero and because you could justify it through those drastic savings in, in water and energy bills. Um, then, uh, you know, we're working with clients like stadiums who w um, could be a, a net zero during non-event times and that way you're, you're, you're using your resources only during the event. But then from the commercial development side, you're seeing more and more of these district power scenarios going on and that's basically if you have an older building that has uh, you could you could tie all the chill water together into a, a, a like a high density district and then just focus in on going net zero with that facility and there are some facilities now that are, are net zero commercial buildings right absolutely uh, we have a project at Bershey School in Seattle which is a net zero kind of an experiment uh, with education and it's a classroom that has net zero water and energy and, and we're developing beyond that. We've got a project in Virginia that's going after that and a lot in the pipeline where the clients are considering those uh, net zero. And, and are they expecting a payback with the utility savings over was it over 50 years or how long is that payback on a net zero? No, it's going to be less than that. Um, you know, today the, we seem to be enacting a lot of things that have a three to seven year payback. But if you're going to go to something that would be net zero and involve something that might be like geothermal, you're going to be looking at more like a 15 year payback or solar. If you have uh, some subsidy, it might be to that level as well. Wow, so. so that's really fast. I mean, it seems to me, I mean, you know, if you're not paying any utility bills sure. for f 15 years and then after that you're net zero, the cost savings is incredible. If you're an institution that, that wants to be around for 50 years and that's your plan, yeah. you should consider some of this. That's amazing. 
you know, most of us do want to be around a long time, right? <laughs> right. Whether we're building or people. Exactly. <laughs> well, what are some sustainability improvements that can be made on existing buildings, maybe some older properties that make sense, and what kind of payback time uh, do you see on some situations there? Well, one thing that is, is, is plug load right now, uh, the amount of power that we're using, and we're seeing code change to where uh, there'll be a shutoff where you could plug certain appliances into the outlet that will shut off at night. So it, it, it makes that an automatic thing instead of relying on your employees to turn up everything off. Um, so that's, that's really seeing a great payback. Uh, another thing uh, would be just the mechanical equipment. That's gonna be an expensive performance type payback. But uh, I, I, I'm an advisor for a uh, building and it was an old space that was built in 1970 and they were having $20,000 a month utility bills and after they just renovated the mechanical uh, air handling units system, they, they, they went down to 10000 a month. So seeing some significant savings. And is that something that, that someone can call a company like yours around the country, around the world, and that you could come out and, and look at a facility and give, give an estimate of hey, what that upgrade would cost and what the reduced uh, cost savings might be? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll try to model that and uh, get to that conclusion. What are some other samples of, of improvements and payback time that people could consider? Well, uh, I'll give a few examples at Scansco. We renovated our Empire State Building space, 32nd floor, and we spent a 4.7% premium to go lead platinum. And, and our uh, base utility consumption went from $3.49 a square foot a year to $1.25 a square foot a year. And that payback was just under five years for that uh, four four and a half four four point seven percent increase in cost and are you officing in that in that building uh, you're here in atlanta uh where are you officing in my here? office in atlanta is in, is is okay. downtown and okay so you're not in the new york i was wondering about the the um employees in that space do they enjoy it more or are there any challenges with with sustainability in some of those offices as a user they they like it you know one one thing with sustainability is the comfort level and a lot and quite often the design will incorporate nice light mm -hmm. and in the empire state building there's plenty of windows and so that's nice they have raised access flooring so the air conditioning comes from the bottom up and they're only cooling let's say the the, the bottom five six feet of mm -hmm. the floor and that raises that flooring allows them a little more controllability on the air that they're getting, mm -hmm. and so that's that's a nice feature for them as well. Okay, we're short on the break, but what about LED lighting? What kind of cost savings and payback can you have there? So that's that's where I think if you do your diligence mm -hmm. and and you study it, the cost of LED has been going down, and so we're seeing more and more types of lighting. Uh, become more affordable. So you kind of want to be on the cutting edge there and then once certain types of lighting become affordable then you get them and you know one-eighth, one-tenth the, the power cost of regular light so mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a significant savings. Yeah I mean it's amazing I mean we did uh, LED lighting in our in our studio here because it's softer, it's, it's uh, cooler, we can control it better. Then we looked at the cost savings of the utilities and it was amazing. Uh, you know, we thought we were going to need uh, a lot of power in the studio, and with all these LED lights, we really don't, and it's better lighting, and it's certainly 
better on your eyes as well. So it's a better environment. Well, we're going to take a short break here. We'll have more from Jimmy Mitchell in just a moment. If you appreciate the show, thank our sponsors. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Our show today is called Sustainability for Health and Profit. We're talking with Jimmy Mitchell with Skanska. And, um, Jimmy, it seems like through the recession that some of the users, some of the tenants, uh, became less interested in absorbing the costs associated with some of the certifications related to sustainability. What do you see in the marketplace? Absolutely. The, the clients that we have that want to be branded within the sustainability piece are going through the certification and uh, they're, they're, they tend to be going big. They're thinking uh, lead platinum, lead gold, maybe even net zero for some aspects of their building. But the, the vast majority of the rest of the folks say we want to do the things that save us money, which means we don't want to spend the few thousand dollars of resources to go through the the, the certification process. And how much more expensive are some of these certifications? To, so let's say I do everything to get to, to go lead, then how much more additional cost percentage-wise or what have you will I have to, to, to have the actual certification? So if you're going lead, finding that if you're just going certified, it, it could be free, just part of your planning process, with the exception of if you get a lead consultant, then you'd have that extra consulting fee. Uh, if you go to platinum, uh, I'm seeing anywhere from a, you know, a four to, in some cases, a, a bigger, like 12% um, um, higher cost. Yeah, okay. In some cases, uh, reuse of, of building supplies and, and construction, uh, it can be very helpful to, to, for cost savings and to the environment. How much of what goes into solid waste landfills around the country is, is readily reusable building and uh, materials? One thing about that is uh, studies show from C&D waste, which is mm-hmm. commercial uh, demolition waste, mm-hmm. 5 to 25 percent of the, of the stuff in the landfill could be reusable. And at that point, it's been hit by a hammer, sawed it to get into the elevator, uh, service elevator, or what have you. Um, so certainly 25 percent is, is a solid number. And if, if the industry begins to take care of some of those materials more, it could even extend a little higher. And this is important because this isn't recycled material. This is reused. So you're not paying and having the energy cost to, to rebuild this. Inf- this. Exactly. And, and, you know, we see some things like uh, casework or wood products where, uh, you know, refurbished wood products uh, are, are gorgeous and, and really nice uh, materials to have in your space. Okay. And there's some uh, facilities around the country that are helping construction people and design people with this, right? That's right. And and some of the major centers, particularly uh, areas that have high tipping fees, Mm -hmm. um, they they have reuse centers. I co-founded one in Atlanta called the Lifecycle Building Center. We've been together for about three years, and and we are that. Folks who do demolition can come and drop off their materials, and then other folks come and, and buy it. In the meantime, nonprofits uh, can get that material for free. Wow, that's interesting. So nonprofits can kind of come in there and shop, and maybe they, they pick up some cabinetry or some doors and some other things that uh, they'll have no cost. 
Yes. And there's, and there's other facilities like that around the country? There are, yeah. Uh, when we started studying it, mm-hmm. we were sister organizations in New York, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, uh, Portland. So they're, 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 they're popping up all over the country. And, and, and we're involved in a couple of projects at the, at the moment where there's demolition. And I, and I look in, those, in the space, and I see some nice cabinets. I see some, some nice things that could be reused. So uh, what, should our, what should contractors uh, be doing around the world to, to take advantage of that? I mean, they might have some reduced cost to, to put this in the landfill, right? Right. Yeah. So one thing you want to make sure is that you're capitalizing on your metals because the demolition contractor absolutely deducts based off of the salvage because that's their cash flow. And after the metals, you, you, you throwing things away is expensive. So what are, what are reusable bulk materials that you can take care of and instead of throwing it into the the dumpster, you throw it into the reuse center. Okay, and is there some uh, self-help uh, information out there on your site or somewhere that would show a contractor how to handle the subs or how to bring this, get this, inf- get these products out of the space where they are still reusable and they're not all beat up? Sure. I mean, visit lifecyclebuildingcenter.org uh, life and you can check out our website and and sh- you know use the information on that wherever you are. Okay, and we're short on the break, but uh, one of the things that I've seen when I'll, I'll go into a building and, and I'm representing a REIT to sell their office building, and I'll go in and I see a lot of waste, uh, and I say, well, you know, you could probably get a payback of two or three years by changing this. Uh, why don't you do it? it? Some of those things could be financed and have the savings immediately, right? Yeah, performance contracting is a great concept that needs to be improved. What Typically right now the clients think about it internally and they finance it through future cost savings and, and, and just that route. However, um, the great thing about the future performance contracting is that if you do reduce energy and reduce costs, you make more money. And that's a really great sustainable market where um, uh, efficiency drives profits. Right. Okay. Well, Jimmy, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. For more information from Jimmy and Skanska, visit skanska.com. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit commercialrealestateshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you, including separate shows on updates on all the major commercial real estate sectors. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today our show is called Sustainability for Health and Profit. Please welcome my next guest, Paula McAvoy, Associate Principal with Perkins & Will. As co-director of the firm-wide Sustainable Design Initiative, SDI, she assures that sustainable ideas are a huge part of the firm's projects and practices. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I love this website that you guys have created. It's called transparency.perkinswill.com. And to, to get our listeners and, and viewers 
some knowledge about this site and the power and the things they could do with it. First, tell us about the precautionary principle and also about transparency as it relates to this site. The precautionary principle is actually what started the whole site and started the whole um, effort for Perkins and Will to start looking at materials more closely. So it came from an organization that met in 1998 and tried to figure out how to address important environmental issues like detrimental environmental issues, health impacts, and things like that. And then realized that even though there wasn't enough scientific evidence to, to fully establish a cause and effect relationship, things still should be done. So if you take a precautionary approach to it, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Mm -hmm. So use common sense and, and take that approach when you're making decisions. For example, if you are shopping, and I know this was a big effort a few years ago, if you're shopping for a baby bottle, and the science says, well, plastic... I'm always looking for those. Yeah, a lot of people are. <laughs> plastic might be good, plastic might not be good, you know. How do you know which one to get? So if you get a plastic bottle that's supposed to be safe, and then it turns out the science is bad science, then you're safe. But if you get one and it's, the science is right, then you're not safe. So we try to look at materials like that. If it seems like it's an unhealthy material, why not find something better? And the transparency part of the site, that's where that comes in, is just letting everybody know, right? Let it, let's get it all out there. You would be amazed at how many people don't know what's in the products that they're specifying or that they're buying themselves. And a lot of times, I mean, it seems obvious you would want to buy healthy materials, but a lot of times even the manufacturers don't know what's in the materials. Okay, and tell us about the, fame, the, the main four sections or lists that are available at the site. So it started off as, as the precautionary list, which was a list of 25 materials that were found in building products, so 25 substances. And we said these are the most prolific and they're the ones that can do the most harm for the environment and for human health, and we don't want to use them anymore. So here's a list of 25. And then a couple of years ago we expanded that because there were other environmental factors that architects and designers were having control over. For instance, asthma triggers and asthmagens. And now we're hearing a lot of information about flame retardants and health impacts caused by flame retardants. And then finally, there's a section on just research that we're doing in news articles and things like that. Yeah, and that's a great resource for for understanding more about transparency and about the precautionary principle, right? Yeah. Um, and then, um, so this site is, is, has very valuable and key information, so it must be hard to get into and must be expensive to access, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, if you could think of <laughs> free as expensive to access, then yeah, it is. And when we were doing this and coming up with a list of 25, 25 materials, we thought, all right, we're a big company. We do a lot of buildings, but we're not going to change manufacturers and we're not going to change products if it's just left to Perkins and Will. So why don't we put it out there as something that everybody can use? I mean, it's not a marketing advantage. It's a, it's a serious effort that we want to be able to, to have manufacturers come to. And are these manufacturers of these products, are they listening? Are they uh, taking heed of this and trying to change some of the products where they are healthier? A, a lot of them really are, and it's pretty amazing to watch. At first, we got a lot of pushback from manufacturers because you know, they've got products, they've invested a lot of money in developing these products and selling these products, and now you've got a firm saying, we don't want to use them. So, you know, of course it's pretty logical that they were going to push back, but then some of the, the 
savvier manufacturers are saying, wow, this is a growing thing. And if people are really going to make their decision based on, on health impacts and, and on me telling what's in my products, then I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. I think the whole world is interested in being more healthy than we were um, many years ago. So, so if a listener or a viewer is planning, designing, or building out office space, or maybe they're building a new facility right now, how might they use the precautionary list? I would say to figure out what's important to you or to your client. So, for instance, if you've got a client with allergies or with asthma, then you could go to the precautionary list and search materials based on that health impact. So click on asthma, click on you know, allergy triggers, asthma triggers, and it shows you a whole list of materials or substances that are known to trigger those. Then you can link it to actually the products that you're specifying. And for architects or designers, it actually links to the specifications section. So, you know, you can find out what's in wood preservatives or what's in plastics or furniture or any of that kind of stuff. And how about finding alternative products? We have l suggestions for alternative products, not manufacturers. And it's not like a red list where we're blackballing anybody or, or saying don't use that product or don't, don't buy from that manufacturer. What we're really trying to do is say, here's a substance, generally it's found to be bad and here's a healthier alternative. Yeah, well I urge you out there, if you're watching or listening to this show, to go to this site, it's, it's very interesting all the tools and resources and information there it may surprise you what's there and uh, the website is transparency.perkinswill.com so make sure you check it out all right we're going to take a short break more on sustainability for health and profit in just a moment i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back the commercial real estate show is brought to you in part by your friends at bull realty when your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You know, you're invited to send us commercial real estate-related questions. Just send them to info, I-N-F-O, at CREshow.com. Each business day, I answer a question on video, and we post it to the Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, and to the YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. Today our show is called Sustainability for Health and Profit, and we're talking with Paula McAvoy with Perkins and & Will. And uh, Paula, we're talking about the website transparency.perkinswill.com, and there's a precautionary list of materials there. What are some of the products there that are most concerned to people? For me, I think the substances that are most are of most concern are the ones that either bioaccumulate they build up in people after exposure to them, or they are um, endocrine disruptors and they mimic hormones. So they can cause all sorts of genetic and, and physical um, difficulties in children, in unborn children, in your grandchildren. They can get passed along from generation to generation. So that's what's wrong with me, I guess. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the interesting things, though, is that there have been studies that have come out lately that show that, for instance, some of the plastics, like we were talking about with the baby bottles, mm -hmm. virtually every child born already has exposure to some of these plastics that are in the environment right now. So. Across the board, a child is already born having these toxins in their system. And how about products that are uh, maybe in our office space today? That what, what's of most concern? 
most concern. If you're in a place all day long, then you would want to stick to things that don't off-gas because that new building smell is generally not a good thing. So things with low VOC or no VOCs, some of the preservatives in wood, making sure that there's not formaldehyde in wood. And then again, looking at the plastics and the type of materials that you're buying. So, you know, if you're, for instance, if you're sitting at a desk that's a plastic surface, you're touching that and it's, it's entering your bloodstream through your skin. Hmm. So those are things that we need to be more careful about. Interesting. And one of the sections there is news, media, and additional research. What are some of the resources our listeners might find there interesting? We try to update that. I think it's going to have a major update coming pretty soon. Um, but there, it's research papers that we've put out. So there's a white paper, for instance, on use of fly ash in concrete and whether or not the, the substances found in fly ash could actually be more harmful than good. Um, news tips, things to ask when you're going shopping, sorts things like that. And uh, tell our listeners what fly ash is. Fly ash is a, a byproduct of coal burning power plants. So as the heat and the ash goes up the, the exhaust in a power plant, it accumulates around the chimney, the exhaust, and frequently they have to clean that out and then they store it in a large pit or a pond or something. Um, and we're finding that it's a replacement for cement and some concrete. Oh, interesting. What might surprise people at the site? That when you go to the site, it looks incredibly complicated because <laughs> there's a whole list, like the precautionary list, of things that look like chemical names and substances that you've probably never heard of and, you know, polyvinyls and all sorts of things like that. But if you just focus on what's important to you, then it becomes much easier to navigate and, and clearer. If you focus on a health issue or the spec section, you know, the specification section, then it all starts falling into place. That's a good point. But that happened to me when I was there and I looked at it and said, wait, wait, this is over right. my head. Then, well, let me key in on something interesting. I found it. Closing tip for our listeners? The closing tip would be if they're not telling you what's in it, you probably don't want it. So ask when you're shopping and when you're specifying and talking to manufacturers. Ask them what's in their product. If they don't know, ask them to find out what's in their products. Good tip, Paula. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks, Michael. If you'd like more information from Paula and that website, it's transparency.perkinswill.com. Well, i got a question for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. Uh, we're going to have some great shows coming up, include updates on all the major commercial real estate sectors. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Atlanta Office Liquidators, new and used furniture liquidators, France Media, publications and conferences, and Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. For more information on these companies or to access additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.